Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Attention soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coasties. The holiday season is right around the corner. And some of you might be wondering, how am I going to afford to travel back home to visit my loved ones? Have no fear. Holidays for the Heroes is here. Last year, Holidays for the Heroes received donations from patriotic donors, and we were able to send 65 armed service members with a fully paid round-trip ticket and got them home for the holidays. Wait, but what's the catch, you might ask? Buckle your parachute strap. There is no catch and no hidden fees. Just contributions from good old-fashioned Americans who want to help heroes like you and show their appreciation for your service. If you're an active soldier and want to register, or an individual who wants to be a part of that growing group of patriotic donors, please go to www.holidaysfortheheroes.org. That's www.holidaysfortheheroes.org. To you from underneath a peach blossom It's time for an episode of Be Awesome Find positivity throughout your life and work Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk Hello, Be Awesome listeners. This is episode 81. I'm your host, Joshua Peach, and we've got another doozy on deck today. Uh, The guy that I have with me is uh, someone that I have gotten to know over probably the last 10 or so years. And one of our first interactions, uh, I gave him a call. Um, We had mutual friends, and a friend of mine had asked for me to call a guy named Pete Duran to talk to him about helping uh, with his business to, to get into the door a couple places. And the first time I called Pete Duran, I called and he said, he said, hello. And I said, Hey Pete, how you doing? And he said, every day is a good day at rival health. And <laughs> that has stuck with me for about 10 years. Uh, and we're going to talk about that because I think that that's his mindset more days than not. And he, he puts it out there real, real well. So uh, Pete, every day is a good day. So I don't need to ask you how you're doing today, but welcome to the podcast. Thanks, brother. It uh, it's always a good day, and Josh Peach is my muse, man. <laughs> when I started doing this, I said I got to talk to Josh. Peach. He's, got, he's got knowledge. Uh, I, I don't know if it's knowledge or nonsense, but it's a little bit of probably a little bit of both. I got to tell you this story real quick. Um, so we were getting Instacart and DoorDash and Walmart and Whole Foods deliveries before it was cool and before COVID. Um, so we got a lot of experience in that. Um, we get a lot of, you know, we get, we, we don't need to leave the house thankfully. And, and, uh, with, with regard to that, that stuff. So this morning, uh, Danny's in his remote learning. We don't want to disappoint him and, uh, and Walmart's delivering and the sure. car, car pulls in the driveway and we, we've got a, our driveway is about 800 feet long. Uh, so nobody needs to, to, to ring the doorbell, but they always do. Sure. Um, so I make it a point to always open the door and say, Hey, you can leave it by the door. Good morning. How you doing? Appreciate you. Thank you. 
always make a point to do that. And especially when Danny's doing his class so that they definitely don't ring the doorbell. Mm -hmm. So I opened the door, I opened the door, the, the, the delivery driver, Silvino, he, uh, he goes, he's going to the trunk. And I said, good morning, sir. Thank you so much. You can leave everything by the front door. And by the way, how are you doing today? And he stops, he turns around, he lifts up his arm. He goes, today, today is a fabulous day. I am fabulous. And I'm sitting here going, all this stuff going on in the world and you have to go and deal with people all day long, you know, shopping for other people and you get out of your car and that's your response. Yeah. How do you do it? How do you have that mindset? And like the, the, the smile I had on my face, cause I'm in the beauty of this is I'm in the comfort of my own home. I don't have to have a mask so people can see me smile. Uh, the smile that made on my face was nothing short of, um, you know, making my day. Um, so it was really fitting that that happened this morning and I've got you on the podcast here today. So, you know, let's talk about you a little bit. I, I actually, uh, I stalked you a little bit last night. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and you still had me on the show. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I did. I, I you know, I, I, I know you from, I oh I think it was probably 2010 or 11. Yeah. Right? I think you were mm -hmm. just getting started with, with, uh, with rival. Um, but you've got, you know, a couple of degrees. You were doing e-commerce before e-commerce was cool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got a, a pretty extensive background. Um, but tell me a little bit about Peak Duran and how every day is a good day. How do you have that? Where did that come from? You know, I, I don't know where it came from, but it's kind of always been there. Uh, you know, I... I'm, I'm a natural optimist. So the cup is usually always half full with me, maybe to the point of nausea for people who are around yeah. me. Like, dude, there's such things as a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm naturally wired as you are to be in sales, to help people, to want to make things better for those around me. And it, it's, a, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I mean, right. I, I have to step back and make sure that if there's a realistic point that needs to be made, if something bad, I've got to, I've got to talk about it. In fact, one of the, some of the feedback I received as a CEO early on in my career was Pete, you're always on, right? So we're in a board meeting and something's bad. Something bad has happened. You've already moved on to the solution, right? But we want to talk about the problem a little bit more, <laughs> right? So the way they described it to me, if, if you throw a shit turd on the table, yeah, we want to taste it. We want to smell it. We, we want yeah. to digest that for a while before we move on to the bouquet of roses that's around the corner. Right. So, uh, you know, I think it's good to be, by the way, I would rather wake up every day and, and, and appreciate the day and the opportunity in front of me than the other way around. Right. Right. There's just no other way to look at it. I think it also helps you solve problems, right? I don't, I don't approach a problem as insurmountable. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a way to solve it. It may suck. It may take a while, but there's a way to solve the problem. Yeah. So, you know, I, my, it's interesting. If you met my parents, they couldn't be more opposite of each other. My dad is a quiet, stoic engineer. Uh, I'm a very fortunate person. I've never met anyone that doesn't like my father. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and it's not just a matter of like, it's a matter of, you know, tremendous respect. It's not that he's always nice to everybody. He just always does the right thing. Right. Never. I've never not seen him do the right thing. Right. And then I get probably my uh, energy and my personality from my mom, who is, you know, never short for word. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think I had a good upbringing and, and, uh, I love to tackle the day, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, and, and I think that, uh, 
you definitely don't have every day isn't a good day. And like that, I think that perspective and how you wrap around it, because I know that, you know, I, I was, I've been around you when you've had some of those challenges that, yes, most, sir. That, that a lot of people would throw it in or just blame the world or be upset or, um, I mean, that's how you and I connected. Actually, I think it was an association in the Southeast uh, part mm -hmm. of the country that I was trying to get you an introduction to because you were having a hard time. Um, well, the company was the company was was a basically virtual health, right? What was it? Mm -hmm. You did vir virtual. You were doing virtual health before virtual health was cool. You're doing e-commerce before it was your. You are a trailblazer far ahead of everybody else on these things. So that's uh, a that's a funny story. Back in 2008. Uh, a friend of mine dared me to try P90X. Yeah. So we're sitting, we're sitting, you know, my kids were in travel soccer. There's three dads sitting at the bar, the boys in the back having pizza. It's, you know, Saturday night, the games are all day Saturday and then Sunday morning. And the, the infomercial comes on the TV above us in the bar. And buddy of mine yeah. goes, bet you couldn't do that. <laughs> oh, it's on brother. Yeah. <laughs> so I did it. I did every day for 90 days and I was traveling all over the world. I mean, I was doing yoga X in, in London and then I was doing chest and back in Germany and all over the place. People looked at me kind of funny because I, I got my laptop and at the time, we still had DVD players and laptops back yeah. at the time. So I'm, I'm watching these videos and I thought, man, this is one size fits all. Like everybody's doing the same exercise routine and the nutrition plans once like, what about a 52 year old woman who's never exercised? She's not doing this. Right. So I thought I could, I could write some software and create some content that could customize. By the way, it was easy. You just press play and do it. I told you to do that was genius. Yeah. But how do I give this, this person what they need and that person? And the reason is people would come to me at night at the end of the day at work and say, you're always happy. You're always fit. Can, can you help me? And I would go home and spend, I'm not kidding you, Josh, four hours yeah. developing an exercise nutrition plan for Betty. Yeah. You know, and then Joe would be the next day. And I thought there's got to be a better way. So I sat down at my kitchen table and I wrote a software program and a bunch of algorithms and a database structure that could scrape the internet for nutritional content. And then I built a TV studio and we filmed 300 P90X level quality exercise videos. And then we sold it to companies for 10 years. Yeah. And no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> well no one cares about exercise and nutrition well 15 percent of the population do but the other 85 percent couldn't crack that code yeah well that's you know interesting i mean like i say this is a very open discussion and just kind of goes where it goes but uh what's interesting is i think that you're absolutely right and and so my we we just ordered a peloton so you know I'm fat. Bravo, I'm fat. man! I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm I'm definitely a fat guy. Uh, You're robust, Josh. I'm I'm very husky. I'm trying to make my beard grow bigger so that people don't pay attention to the bottom three quarters of me. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, here's the reality of my life. I was somewhat in shape. I was never a uh, a full-on athlete. I played sports. Uh, I was I was um, it, it, up until 2008. I was of of good health. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't overweight, but I wasn't pumping. I wasn't lifting weights. I wasn't doing tons of exercises, playing uh, a roller hockey league a couple times a week, um, staying active. And then I got, uh, I got pneumonia, May of 2008. I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere, uh, Ontario, Canada. And I, and, I, and I literally had just run a 5K on the treadmill. I was so excited um, because I wanted to start running. And uh, I did an entire 5K, ran, went back to the hotel room, and I just, within 20 minutes, I just felt sick. Uh, started sweating, and I was like, something's wrong. So I drove three hours to Toronto, got on a plane, flew home. I'm getting worse, getting worse, getting worse. 
uh, temperature was 103, drove myself to the uh, hospital and they're like, yeah, you've, you've got pneumonia. And so I uh, got, got, and came home, was on all sorts of medication. I, I, uh, I broke out in hives and then somewhere along the lines, I got, I think it was called episcleritis, past guest, Dr. Liza Toulousen, who I went to high school with, her father, her father treated me for that. So I got episcleritis in my eyes. And then it all gets done and I get sar- sarcoidosis. I get diagnosed with sarcoidosis in my Jeez. lungs, which I still have. That's a respiratory condition that doesn't go, doesn't seem to go away, I guess. So from 2008 to now, so 2008, I weighed 180 pounds. Um, so over the course of 12 years, I've gained right about 100. And, uh, but it wasn't all at once. It's just, if you, you figure it out, if you, gain, if you gain one or two pounds a month every month over the course of 12 years, there's 100 pounds. And what happens is the discouragement just continues and continues and continues. So you get to this mm-hmm. point, you're like, I got to do something. I got to do something. And then all of a sudden you do this crash course. So like I did this crash course two years ago with, uh, I was going to climb a four, I climbed a 14er with Aaron Ralston. I only made it to, I think, 13.6. But, you know, I did this crash course on keto for like three months and I lost, yeah. I lost 45 pounds and I was feeling good and I was doing all right and I was on the right, but couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it. And, uh, you know, put it all back on and then some. So, you know, the biggest challenge I think for that 85% is one discouragement, two accountability. Right. And then, and then the third part is we're just lost, right? We get, we're in this, I'm 45 years old. I'm, I'm in these um, routines. Like, how do I get out of it? So I could see where, you know, the challenges you come up, you had the answer, you had, you you had the golden egg, right? Yeah. You had everything people needed. You did all the legwork. All they had to do was hit play, and they just couldn't find the button. So that's got to be that had to be that had to be a tough one. <clears throat> you know, uh, you know my wife Julie, right? So I, right. I, I I told Julie, I said I've been right and wrong for ten years. Mm-hmm. I have the answer. Right, it works. It's clinically proven. It's fantastic. It's easy to use. But you hit three key words there. So um, you know, you're discouraged, mm-hmm. right? Um, that accountability thing is really tough and yeah. you know, the lost parts, so you, your story, you described America, right? So it, it, it is a creepy thing. It, it with that one to two pounds every month or so it, you don't even know it's happening. Right. Right. And then three years later you wake up and you go, why does my back hurt? <laughs> I'm carrying 50 pounds around that I, you know, I hadn't before. Right. And, and the human body is a strange thing. It, it is uh if you've been really active and you go a couple weeks without being after you get sick, you get the flu, you sprain your ankle and you dial it back for a couple weeks, your body's still in a place where it reminds you of what being athletic and fit is. And when you come back, you can come back really quick. Mm-hmm. When you go about a month, your body adjusts to the new norm and then you become comfortable there. Mm-hmm. You don't miss the exercise, the adrenaline, the, the, the dopamine, all the things that happen when, and the endorphins that kick in, your body's like, okay, I'm cool without that. I'm going to get it someplace else. Mm-hmm. And, and then you become adjusted to the fact that maybe an extra hour of TV is not a big deal. That burger is probably not a big deal. I'll have a couple more beers. And I, I tell people, you know, my T-shirt, like yours is be off. Mine says live fit. That was the tag yeah. on it, rival, right? It is really simple to do, but it's hard as hell. Right. Uh, I, you know, people think, well, it's easy for you. I, it is not easy for me. Right. So getting up early and making sure, and, and I, I, by the way, I have been blessed 
and, and when I created Rival Health, Julie said to me, don't make a product for you because you're psycho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make a product for the rest of us because we're not psycho. I love to exercise. So yep. I, if someone said, Pete, you want to watch a, a movie or do you want to go for a run or get on the bike or go lift? I, I choose the workout every time because I love the way it makes me feel. I actually am addicted to it. Right. That is not normal. Uh, and if somebody said, do you want uh, a piece of cake or a salad? I would actually eat the salad. Mm-hmm. Because I train my body that when I'm done eating it, I like the way I, I like the way I feel, the way it tastes. I don't like the after, aftertaste of sugar. It actually, it actually makes me sick. Yeah. But that's learned over time. And, you know, my goals are different than other people's goals, yeah. right? You're dealing with a respiratory issue. You got to factor that in. You got to factor that in. By the way, in both of our day jobs, we sit in our asses almost all day long. Right. So you got to, you have to deliberately get up and go find exercise a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, we woke up, guess what? We had to go move to find food right? <laughs> or to go grow food or defend ourselves. So we physically moved almost all day long just to sustain life. Mm-hmm. When that went away, exercise became a thing. It was never a thing. It, it's actually a burden. Unless you wanted to be a bodybuilder or to be the strongest man in the world, you never thought about it. Right. So, yeah, I, I, doing it for 10 years, uh, I loved it. I, love, I loved wearing sweats to work. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it for seven months, and I got to tell you, I, I, I kind of like it too. Yeah, <laughs> putting, pants, putting pants on. People see me in a pair of pants with a collared shirt. They're like, whoa, what's going on? Who oh, yeah. died? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was long-winded, but it is such a passionate part of my uh, upbringing. It's relevant. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it's, it's discipline too. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that, as you were talking, I'm sitting here going, well, how did I keep going? You know, and you know, a lot of us don't even think about, you know, a changing of an occupation from 1996 to 2003. Uh, my dad and I had a spring water delivery business. I put a post, someone put a post about, you know, you get, you're, you're not the CEO, you're the chief bottle washer. I literally was the chief, bottle the chief. washer. But I was delivering anywhere between 300 and 400 five-gallon bottles of water every single day. Uh, a gallon is eight pounds, so roughly 40 pounds in each of those bottles. And I was carrying four at a time. I used to, I would squeeze two under my armpits, and then I had handles for the, the next, and I'd carry two, and I'd go up three flights of stairs. Dude, you were in crazy shape. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't even realize it because it was work. No. And then all of a sudden, I got the signal known as a desk job and a flying job. And um, it that 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 has that. This is why the uh, the whole Peloton thing. Amy a couple of weeks ago was like, you know, there's there's a commercial and. Um, we had gym memberships for four years and then all of a sudden, and we went, we went twice, um, sure. each, of, each of us, we went to, to it twice, but we paid every month. And then all of a sudden there was a news, you know, on the news they're like, Oh, the gyms are reopening after COVID. I'm like, great time to cancel. <laughs> I forgot I even had the membership. Thanks. So, you know, so we were just talking and Amy's like, you know, I really like riding, riding bicycles and buying bikes. And like, that's like, this thing's really great. And I'm like, you know, I could probably get into this too. And so the accountability piece. So what I did was I called everybody I knew that had a Peloton because mm-hmm. we've got a we've got a treadmill. It, it's a, it, on the left side are my clothes, on the right side are Amy's. Sure. Um, you know, it's like four thousand dollar coat rack. Yep. Like a second. Yeah, it's like a second closet. Um, I do use it sometimes, but not a lot. Um, but the 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 interesting thing in my conversations with folks that have Peloton is you can have accountability with your friends. So mm-hmm. they'll you can share your 
name or whoever you are and people will know if you're riding or not. And mm-hmm. so I picked a couple of people that ride every day and I'm like, all right, when I get on, I want you to make sure that you stay on me. Cause I'm not going to do it myself. I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to be eating ring dings and hanging out. If I, if I have, if I have it my way, I don't have the discipline yet. It's yep. going to take me 30 days to wind this thing up, get the rubber band going. So yep. I got a couple of people to hold me accountable and help me uh, be accountable. And people that I, that'll throw me, you know, throw me right under my own bus and tell me to, uh, to step, step up my game. So um, stay tuned. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, hopefully the beard gets bigger and my stomach gets smaller. So, you know, for the listeners out there that care about this kind of thing, and everybody's got to have a takeaway in a podcast, right? What's Pete's right. point of view and what are the three things he's going to teach you? Um, that move you did right there yeah. uh, addressed all three issues you said you were facing. Yeah. Right. So your wife encouraged you, right? Mm-hmm. I like the bike. Let's go do this. So there was a little encouragement there. Yep. The accountability aspect, you just identified it yourself. I'm going to find three or four people that I know would bust my balls if I'm not doing this. Yep. And they're, going to hold, they're going to hold me accountable. Uh, it, the loss part of it, you've already addressed that, right? So you, you're, you're defining a purpose and that'll help center you. I, I still do training. I've got a conversation with a client this afternoon and I still do some personal stuff for people. Most of it, I just do out of goodwill. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily need money for it, but I take it pretty seriously. And I, the first thing I ask them is what's your goal, mm-hmm. right? If you, if you want to look like the cover of a swimsuit magazine, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not your guy. Mm-hmm. Cause that was a five hour period in that person's four month life that they trained for, ate for, sacrificed for, starved for, cut all right. the sodium, all the fluids out. And they looked like that for literally four hours. Right. And then they went to the buffet. Yeah. Cause it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. If you just want to be, I mean, I, I still train so I can enjoy life with my wife and my kids. And by the way, I'm, I'm probably a year away from being a grandfather. Right. So I, I want to be able to pick up my grandkids and play ball with them. And I don't want to be the grandfather that's sitting on the couch cause I can't move with them. Right. Yeah. So my motives are different. Uh, I still want to, I still want to kick my own boys butts, but uh, that's harder now. Believe yeah. me. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you're looking to move the direction you're moving into, you have to understand your goal And and there are times when I'm on a bike or I'm on, um, I'm running or I'm lifting. Uh, this is probably the best advice I can give you. Set a goal when you get on the thing and hit it. Mm-hmm. Right? And by the way, that goal needs to be realistic if you're on it for the first time ever. First time you get on a Peloton, don't say, I'm going to do a 45-minute ride against the top riders in the world. Oh, no, I'm just going to try to get my shoes on the pedals. That's, that's my first goal. Get, get clipped in, <laughs> get, get a feel for it. But I literally get on the bike and I'll say to myself, I'm going to hit this speed, this cadence, and I'm going to burn this many calories. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I, I do not stop yeah. until I hit that goal. Uh, if I'm lifting, I say, I'm going to do this many reps at this weight and I'll go to failure. If I go to failure, I'm okay, but then I'll throw another set in, right? If I don't hit the number, I'll do another set. Yeah. Right. And I'm always trying to get a little bit better and what'll start to happen. And you hit, you said this 30 day thing, right? Yeah. Josh, 30 days for the rubber band to kind of get readjusted. They say clinically 20, 21 days to create a habit. Mm -hmm. I believe that's probably true, but when, when you, when you get done working out, you've got to find a spot where you feel it, right? You, if I do a good workout strength or cardio, or, you know, when I do a lot of cross training stuff, if I still feel it six hours later, it doesn't mean I'm sore, mm-hmm. right? You're, by the way, you're going to be sore. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Let's, 
but, but I also but like, I also get to wear spandex. So that that holds all of that together. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, <laughs> be very afraid. <laughs> so I, I I give you guys a lot of props. Peloton yeah. is a fantastic product, fantastic business. Yeah. If you'd have asked me ten years ago, could somebody sell a twenty five hundred dollar bike with a fifty dollar subscription? I'd have said hell no. Yeah. But um, their ad campaign, yeah, freaking brilliant this audience they said will buy this product because they made it in an elitist mm -hmm. group activity like oh you have peloton you have peloton it's like you're part of the you're part of the, the in crowd oh it's a, it's a cult it's a, it legit, is a cult it's a legit cult i mean yeah. people people you know the 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 people that i found they had peloton stickers on their laptops as i was traveling and that's how oh, yeah. i saw you know they saw that they were part of the peloton crew and mm -hmm. and what's interesting is so I always I had I had a Planet Fitness sticker on my uh, laptop, and I had the little keychain things. That's I mean, hey, no fault of their own, right? Yeah. Uh, my my and, it, and it's kind of like you and you know Kent Kent Hudson, like you yeah. know I know him, and it was like he he would tell about how I mean he was traveling a lot when we started, dude, and and he was living in Atlanta, and he was he told a story once where you know he had a gym membership, so that when he had he didn't the gym was closer than his house. So if he had a, a connecting flight in Atlanta, that was a short turnaround time. He wanted to get a shower in. He'd go to the gym and get a shower in. He had a locker there and everything. And he'd get yeah. his change and he'd go back to the airport. And they called him one day and they said, Hey, you know, are you satisfied with your membership? And he's like, yeah, I'm satisfied. But I'm not successful. And, and you know, that's a hard, that's a hard thing where mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a, there's a defined line. So was I satisfied as a Planet Fitness member? Yeah. I got a sticker. I put it on my laptop for everybody to see. I had the little keychain to say that I'm a, I'm an active and healthy person because I have the Planet Fitness stuff. Am I successful? No. So I don't go, I don't walk in the door. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those, you know, one of those tough things. But the one thing about Peloton was th that I found, and the reason why I did it was there were more people that were feeling successful than satisfied having the bike. And that was the first piece of a, the first health, a piece of health equipment that I really saw that. Um, yeah. Where when I talked to them, they're like, yeah, I, I did the 100 day challenge. I did this. I did this. Yeah. And, hey, here's my name. You know, hold me accountable. And that's sure. That's pretty cool. And you're absolutely right. I mean, they got, a, they got this mirror workout, this other product. Yeah. And I looked at that and it's like almost four grand. And I'm like, who's paying for a mirror that looks at you with a person? A lot of people, uh, you know, a, oh, lot, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you're sitting there saying, you know, you're about a year away from being potentially being a grandfather. You're not that much older than me. And I got a two and a half year old. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a different, <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different place, Josh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I can't, by the way, we can't wait. I, yeah. I really can't wait. And every time my wife talks to my daughter and her husband, you know, she's planting seeds. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, they're building a house. So I think they're, they're probably ready for that phase, but, uh, yeah, it, it is a bit of a, you know, back to the positive attitude. It is a bit of, um, you know, it's a persona. You, 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 people have passions and I don't care what your passion is, as long as you jump into it with both feet. But I would argue heavily that I don't care what your passion is. If you're physically not working off of a strong foundation, yep. the, your passion isn't as good as it could be. So mm -hmm. you can't be that passionate about it. And, you know, I, I, I'm a believer that if I'm exercising, I'm, I'm letting stress go. We both have stressful jobs working 70 hours a week, doing whatever, if I don't have that outlet, I can't recharge for the next day. I guarantee you I'm sharper and more competitive than other people in that I'm competing against. Mm -hmm. 
because I, I, I'm building off this platform and yeah, I, I, I don't lie. I mean, I, I, I exercise an hour a day. People think, Oh, you're, it's one hour, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, when I'm in that hour, I'm freaking in it. I am not wasting my time. I don't, I don't, I haven't gone to the gym in seven months. I don't, when I'm at the gym, I don't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. I have dumbbells and a bench in my garage and a pull-up bar that I bought for 20 bucks off a of Craigslist that I hang in my door. Right. So there's nothing magical about what, if you got a five gallon paint can, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Right. Push-ups, pull-ups, squats, lunges, jogging in place, jump rope. I mean, jump rope sales went through the roof during COVID. Oh yeah. Double. You can't find us. You can't find us at a dumbbells right now. So I, I work out in literally a 10 by 10 square in my garage. Mm-hmm. And that is primarily where I exercise. Wow. And that's it. And, you know, uh, and, and it's funny because we're all home. My wife works out. My sons work out. Um, my one son's with us right now. He's, he's actually moving, you know, moving out in here in a few, few weeks. But at any point in time, my dog's like, you people are crazy. <laughs> Someone's going in and out of the garage doing a workout. It could be any point in time during the day, but we're doing it. Yeah. And our neighbors look at us crazy. The garage door is open all summer long. There's one or two, three of us in the weekends. There's more people coming over, working out. And they're like, these people are psycho. Yeah. But it's funny when my wife and I go on a walk, and I'm curious about this too, Josh. This is a separate topic. It's a whole podcast, by the way. I can't walk with my wife. <laughs> Women have a gear that men simply do not have. Yeah. Right? It's like when you pull out and you put your car in drive and you take your foot off the brake, it just goes. Yeah. Without even putting, they have that gear. Like yeah. men have an, when, when, when we get off the couch or a chair, there has to be an objective. <laughs> right. I'm walking to get a beer. Yeah. Or I'm running from something. <laughs> to walk just to walk doesn't seem to be natural for us. My hips don't work that way. Yeah. We'll walk six miles, Josh. I'll go home and ice. <laughs> I don't know what Amy's like, but that's, yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. she's, it, it, she's like, could you keep up? I'm like, no, what, where are we, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Amy, Amy's asked me, she's like, we should, we should walk together. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I think that's, that's probably right. Um, she, and she, and you're right. They, and they keep going. They, they, they're nonstop. That's just, the, I think that's just women in general. Like Amy, the goes, mom thing. Yeah. yeah. She, she, she literally, yesterday was her birthday. And, uh, and I think she still, I, I tried to do as much as I could. And I think she still probably made 800 trips up and down the stairs and wrangled the captain chaos. who's like 40 inches and God knows how much weight and I go to pick them up and I feel like my back comes out of, out of, out of place. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> that's why I only got one bike. Cause I'm worried that the pedaling will be the same. She'll just keep <laughs> on talking yeah. and I'm just going to be looking for oxygen. Stick to one bike for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe have her get on the treadmill next to you while you're yeah. biking. Right. Yeah. 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 No, uh, no, this was good. Completely went the, the, in a different direction than where I wanted to go, which is great. Cause I think this was a, a great conversation and, and people should realize that, uh, you know, I always do the 168 rule with people in any, in any process um, that I work with, whether it's, it's business or professional, everybody says, I don't have the time, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk to people, they're so busy, right? I don't have the time, but are you, are you really that busy? And the reality is nobody really understands what they have. And so you have, a, you have 168 hours in a week and you're just telling me that you work out one hour a day. So that's seven hours a week. Now you have 161 hours to play with, to sleep, eat, work, um, do chores. You know, I just talk about, you know, 
I have people that say, Oh my God, you, you know, you have all these delivery services. I mean, the, this morning, the dry cleaner drove by Walmart came over and we'll probably have whole foods make a delivery. Well, what, mm-hmm. you know, and people criticize that. And I go, well, if it costs me a hundred dollars a year for Instacart, and if I have an Amazon prime and I spend 50 bucks, I get free delivery from whole foods. Granted, you'd give the tip and that's fine Yeah, uh, because the money you're going to save from walking down the aisles and just throwing stuff off the shelves. They say that, you know, if you go in into a food grocery store and, you, and you're shopping and you're uh, hungry, you'll spend 10 to 20% more than what yeah. you originally wanted to do. You have to be much think, more thoughtful when you use that right. service. So you're literally picking it and they're not putting stuff in the, so you, the money you put in a tip, it, it's a wash because you would have had a bunch of boxes and jars that you weren't going to eat or use anyway. But um, what, what the reason that I'm so uh, excited about all these services, like the Target curbside, I used to go on a car, Target almost daily. Yeah. Guess what? I've been in there twice since March. I pull up, they come out, I go home. I just found 30 minutes of my life. Back. Uh, um, there, there are examples of that everywhere. Right. So one of the tips that I'll give, so by the way, I didn't buy a Peloton. I bought a Schwinn IC4, which is a really, really good exercise bike, but it doesn't have the big screen on it. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I'm a cyclist, I, I kind of know what I need to do to get in the bike. Mm-hmm. And I'm competitive as the next guy. I love it. I'd love to know there's a guy riding in New York who yeah. thinks he's going to beat me and I just crushed him. I love that. Yeah. But what I realized is that 45 minutes to an hour I'm on that bike, I could consume my body and my brain differently. Mm-hmm. So I listen to or watch podcasts when I ride. Right. And um, what I tell people is if that's not your jam, mm-hmm. what's your favorite Netflix program? Oh, you can nah. burn through a series, binge yeah. watch your show, watch ep- one episode every time you work out. And guess what's going to start to happen? That, that one hour you spend on the bike or the treadmill, you'll actually look forward to as an escape because you got to watch a show. Yeah. And you exercise and you're going to get off. And normally if you just sat on the couch and had some Doritos and watched the show, you're going to feel bad. But I also, I, I, I know that my wife wouldn't listen to these podcasts in the car with me. So that's where I, I digest. Right. And by the way, that's not to say I don't watch a show on Netflix every once in a while when I'm on the bike. I, I, you know, if it's mm-hmm. a weekend, it's Sunday. I'm like, look, I just need to turn my brain off. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, once you get used to it, you can start to really combine two things that you like in life and you made a good point that 168 hours that's something we used to stress back at rival all the time i was able to find i we, we would do a challenge when i meet with a client i'd say show me your schedule i'll find you the time right the only time <clears throat> that i had a challenge doing that was single working moms mm-hmm. we were able to find it but i had to look them in the eye and go yeah you get this done your superhero status just went up a notch. You just joined the Justice League. Like, right. seriously. They, their lives, if you're a single parent, period. Yeah. And you're working and raising kids. Th- that is one of the few situations where I go, man, if you can get in 30 minutes every three days, right. God bless you. Yeah. Right. But everybody else, you, there is no reason you're not doing it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm. I can't wait till we get back on here and, and we see Josh 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably have, I'll probably have a little more gray hair on my beard, but, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. This, and I will give, I will give Peloton a, shape, a, a free plug. They, they have had a lot of, um, the interesting thing when I looked online was they had a lot of, of uh, publicity, a lot of posts. They'll put a post that's really positive and they'll have all this like long list of, Oh, I have to wait eight weeks. I have to wait da, 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 all this negative stuff. 
Uh, I'll be honest with you, I ordered it. It's, and, and, and the frustration I get, because I had it a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, which was like, you, you got it, you got the new car smell, you ordered it online, boom, hits, hit buy. And then the, the, uh, I bought it two weeks ago. No, uh, first, for October 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seven days ago, one week ago. And they said, all right, we're going to deliver it November 12th. That was the first date. And yeah. I was like, I was deflated. I was like, I got to wait six yeah. weeks. I'm excited. Um, but they actually uh, sent me an email yesterday. That's why probably top of mind uh, that they're going to bring it next week. So, oh. uh, you know, so, I mean, they're, they're working hard to get these things out for people and, and get it done. So, well, uh, they set the expectation and then they beat it, which is great. I waited eight weeks for my bike. Yeah. And I was like a little kid at Christmas. I couldn't wait when it showed up. I, you know, I dropped everything in a Sunday night. My family was watching the Packer game and I went in my office and I put my bike together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got my bike. Can't yeah. wait to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this is, this is great. And for those that, that listen past the like, Oh my God, like talk, they're going to talk health the whole time. No, we're not. We're not going to talk health the whole time. Cause I wanted to actually, um, I want to talk about your podcast before I talk about your podcast. Um, you did a post uh, five days ago and it starts with trust no one or trust everyone. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and uh, he says, when starting a business, many entrepreneurs are, are nervous about sharing their world changing idea with others for fear of some, someone stealing it. Here's what I tell them. Show it to anyone who will listen. Uh, uh, why you need feedback, blunt feedback. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. Uh, most ideas form to solve a problem. The question you need to ask is, will people pay for me to solve the problem? Most people are lazy. Starting a business is a crazy, ludicrous, and ex- exhausting undertaking. Iteration is critical. Um, you know, you go into when you, you developed your first startup, you showed it to 50 people. Most were encouraged and said, that's awesome. Uh, there were 10 people that treaded me in the idea. That's what I needed. Um, you had some, uh, you said, reach out to friends, family, and most importantly, business mentors, make an appointment, show them your pitch product or service, ask for blunt feedback, get out there and trust no one or trust everyone. So I've been thinking about this post for five days. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> You've been top of mind for five days because I, and, and, and my answer is probably going to be wrong. Um, it, it, to some folks and, and, uh, I, I've just, I've just been trying to, and I was sitting there, I just keep saying, trust the right ones. Bingo. That, that's my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've, I've, I've tried to figure out how to say it properly, that it makes sense. I think there's a lot of people out there that have passion that have want to repurpose themselves, meaning that mm-hmm. maybe they don't feel that they have purpose in their life or they're not, um, feeling purposeful in what they're doing and they want to, they want to take the leap and they want to do something. I've been in that position countless times and I listened to the wrong people. Sure. I, 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 I shared it with folks. And so, um, one, what, what got you to want to share that post, which was extremely powerful, by the way. Um, what got you to share, what, what got you to want to share that post and, then what were, what were some of your, um, if you had a eating crow moment and an experience, because that's, we're going to get into your podcast. Sure. Um, what were some, some wins or some losses in that experience of, of sh- showing, no, trusting everyone or trusting no one? So it's interesting. I've had a couple other people, a guy named Matthew Wells, commented in the post, similar to what you described, which is trust the right people. 
mm-hmm. then it's it's right. You know, I'm, I made a a kind of a bolder blanket statement, but at the end of it, you hit it on the head. I said, trust your friends and your family and your business mentors, which is means people you already like and respect. Mm-hmm. The reason I posted it is I I have learned more by people telling me what I was doing wrong than by people telling me what I was doing right. Mm-hmm. So and, and the right stuff's good. It's encouragement. It's validation. I want to, I want to double down on my strengths, but inherently sometimes I probably already get what my strengths are. Mm-hmm. It's my weaknesses and my blind spots that I, that I don't see. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I showed this business plan, it was rival. I showed it to a bunch of people. There were 10 individuals that I showed it to and maybe nine, maybe 11, whatever the number was, but there were a couple that really took some time to digest it and then give me blunt feedback. You know, my first presentation I did for the business at an investment conference, the first person I talked to, I could see his eyes glaze over at about four and a half minutes. Like he was tuned out mm-hmm. and I still had 20 more minutes of crap in my head that I wanted to get out. And by the way, I was not inexperienced. I was a pretty savvy presenter at this point. Mm-hmm. And my business partner at the time looked at me, we got done. He said, dude, that sucked. <laughs> You were horrid. And I said, I know I lost them. Yeah. So we did 45 more iterations in that pitch, 45 yeah. every day, two a day for almost three weeks before we did it again mm-hmm. and presented it to somebody. So what I learned there is, is I, I, there are smarter people than me around me everywhere. If I just tap into that mm-hmm. and I'm willing and, and humble enough to embrace what they're telling. And by the way, sometimes that's hard. You know, sometimes I really think I got to figure it out. And somebody contradicts that. I've learned a, a del, del, delicate balance. If someone's right, I, I'm, I'm much better at identifying what they're saying is right and wrong, and I can get there. There are other times someone challenges me that I recognize, nope, Pete, stick to what you believe here. You're right. You have more information. This is something you need to hold your ground on and do it. But at least I've digested the feedback. Right. So... I've made, you know, I made you know, dozens of mistakes, you know, as a business leader, as a husband, as a father. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I think you asked for a couple key eating crow moments. Um, I'll give you two. Okay. So with my oldest son, you know, I, I realized with all three of my kids, this is deep, by the way. Mm-hmm. All my kids are different. Your kids are different. I mean, they're all different. Mm-hmm. I had a playbook like Josh, I got to figure it. I'm going to be the world's best dad. Yeah. Here's my playbook. I'm going to do it this way. I was lucky. My daughter who's now married, it, you know, she was, she was, she's my stone cold killer. I call her. She's just kind of even keel all the time. If something goes off the rails, you don't want to be around, but she's pretty straightforward and, and cool. All that. My middle son has a much more of a blend of my wife's personality. He's extremely compassionate, extremely hardworking, really successful kid. We weren't aligned when he mm-hmm. was probably eighth grade into the first two years of high school. We just weren't, I mean, we were all over the place. Yep. And he, uh, he said something a little snippy to me one night while we were, I was actually running rival. I was in a lot of stress, probably not a good situation. I was, I was capped <clears throat> and, uh, I let him have it. I gave him a verbal tirade that my wife and my other two kids were like watching going, Whoa, <laughs> yep. dad just uh, flipped the switch. Watch <laughs> out. And, you know, he, I could tell he didn't even, he didn't even process what was going on. And I, yeah. and I got, and I finished that. I said to my wife, I said, shit, um, that's not working. Like I, my own style and ideas and how I want to communicate in this situation, 
I'm not reaching him. And guess what? He's 14, 13. He doesn't know. He can't articulate that. I'd like to be communicated to in this style. Right. It doesn't mean I'm going to go easier on him than my other kids or not hold him accountable. None of that stuff. It's just that I had to rethink completely how I communicated to him. So a lot of, you know, and my wife, God bless her, she's very supportive. And she said, well, let's talk. You know, I literally at that point pivoted my entire communication style with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not to say that we still don't have our moments where we're not agreeing on everything, but man, it changed everything. I, I had to digest. How does he process this information? What is he looking for from me? How can I be better? And that was, it's a life-changing moment for me. It literally was a pivotal moment as a husband, as a father, everything. So, and I would encourage any parent or leader, by the way, this, this applies directly to leadership. So all the people on my team are all very, very different people. I, I use empathy and emotional intelligence as my modus operandi everywhere. And there are tremendous leaders in books and podcasts on those two topics that are wonderful. Listen to them, right? Just listen to what they're telling you. So that's a more personal one on a business side. Uh, I, I think there are two things I've learned about myself that um, were eating crow moments. One, I think at some point during rival, I was grinding so hard for 10 years. I stopped learning. Right. Yep. I, I was so deep in it that I stopped making myself better in learning new business techniques or leadership techniques, or I just stopped because I, I, I was exhausted and didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. And that cost me and it, and it cost my company at different periods because I was no longer evolving as a leader. Right. So I had some people who were really good about saying, Hey Pete, you know, have you considered this? Have you considered this? And I started to step back. I mean, you know, those moments where people took the time to coach me or mentor me were really important because then I started to, man, I started to read more and get back. I love to read, getting back into reading and learning and listening and change things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on the flip side of that, I, I think I probably stopped holding myself and other people accountable the way I needed to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I want to please people, which is a natural tendency of mine. I stopped recognizing sometimes you have to unplease them to move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. So back to what's the right style to do that. I started to learn, man, I need to use data and set clear expectations with people up front so that if we get to a point where the expectations aren't being met, everybody knew what we were going into and what the expected changes are. And then those conversations can be oddly enough, really easy. Yep. So, and I don't know if those are valuable, but no, very valuable. That's yeah. uh, bo on both sides because I'm I'm I I still am uh, a daily screw up with my kids. <laughs> like my like we they're teaching they're teaching me. I'm not teaching them. Sure. And you know, there's so many different things. Like you know, and I say it, but a lot of times I don't do it with regard to you know, make, you know, with business, I say, what I say isn't necessarily what people hear. And I try to make sure that that that's in sync. And I, and I come home with my 13 year old and I have, and I try to give him the, the clear expectations of things to do and what to do. And mind you, I was a hellion at 13. Yeah. Yeah. I was lighting stuff on fire. I was, I, <laughs> no, I literally, I, I almost burned our house down. This is how genius I am. I was like in the fourth grade. So I was like 10 and uh, we had this unfinished attic, and I went up there one day. 
I took a shoebox, cardboard shoebox. I put a bunch of tissues in it, and oh. then I and then I lit it on fire. And so, of course, the, the it turned into a complete disaster. I put the thing out with my skateboard. I was stomping on it. I almost yeah. got on fire myself. And then a year later, we got broken into. House got robbed. No one went up into the attic for a whole year. The house gets robbed. Police are searching through the house. I left the window open up there for an entire year to, to air it out. And the police officer says, hey, uh, um, looks like they tried to, to get rid of the evidence and burn the house down. And I'm sitting there, and my mother's all wor- worked up and worried. My mother was a single mom, and, and I can totally relate to that whole finding time and everything. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going to get arrested because they're going to fingerprint and find it was me and my skateboard that almost burnt the house down. But I was, I was, I was into, I was, I was, if there was trouble to get into, I figured out how to do it. And I always tried to figure out how to get out of it. Um, And so when Danny was, was a baby, I'm like, I said, Damien, I said, he's not going to get away with anything. Like I, I did it all. I know it all. Like, yeah, you're on it. I'm I'm on it. Um, And at 13, this kid's done nothing wrong. Like nothing. Like he tried to sneak water balloons out of the garage one day is like, like the extent of, of him. He doesn't lie. He doesn't take yeah. off. He's not lighting the house on fire. And, um, so, so you have, you have so perspective, I'm, right? Well, I have a, I have a, I, but I'm sitting here going, he's gotta be doing something wrong. Like I'm sitting here going like, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, he's gotta be doing something <laughs> this wrong. It can't be this just, good. It can't be this good. Right. And then I get, then I get, then I get chance captain chaos that he literally, um, you know, he's two and a half. And Amy tells me all the time, she's like, you can't talk to him like that. He doesn't get it. He's two and a half. And I'm talking to him like I talked to Danny. And it's like, you know, it's constant readjustment in this work, work in progress. And then you look at yourself and you're like, they didn't do something wrong. I did something wrong. And that's a hard thing to do, which we'll get into your podcast, because that's exactly what your podcast is about from, from a business perspective. But the hardest thing for anyone to do, in my opinion, is to own something. And I struggle with that uh, greatly. And, and that, that tie in with your business side of things and trusting anyone and trusting no one. And then I say, try trust the right ones. You do want to listen to everybody and you want to listen to the positive fe- input and feedback and you want to listen to the criticisms, but you want to take, a, you want to take a check on that. I have a checklist that I go with when it comes to business. Like everybody's got the greatest idea would be awesome. And the beauty of it is it's you re- very rarely will you get negative um, feedback when your company is called be awesome. Cause then you just, you know, correct. Feel like they're a jerk. It's like, I, I don't want to do that. I'm, I don't want to be that person, but you know, someone will come up with an idea for something. And, uh, and this is funny at uh, supporter of the podcast, uh, amazing supporter of the podcast sent me a message last month. It's like, um, you know what, you know, it'd be good mouse pads. And I'm sitting there going, who uses mouse pads? Now I, I have one. I put a post on LinkedIn. Yes. I got, I've had it for 24 years. I've had one mouse pad. I've got two. I've actually got another one underneath it. Um, just cause I've been so insecure about it, but it's me, Amy and the members only Amy had this made for my birthday. So I have That's this, classic. I have this, I have it under my 24 year old one. You can see mm. it's got coffee stains all over it. I don't want this one to get messed up. Sure. <laughs> you got a mouse pad cover. But that's there's said, a business. Right. But that said, I mean, I have this Microsoft Arc mouse pad that yeah. you don't, it doesn't have a track. It doesn't need a pad. Yeah. Mouse pads are for people that have cords on their mouse and trackballs on the bottom. And most people that use mouse. Well, apparently that's your audience, Josh. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, so I go out to Amy and I'm like, I got to make, I got to have some mouse pads made. 
And, um, and so I call my, call my people and get the pricing for it and order some up. And I just, I was laughing about it and I was telling a couple stories and I'm sitting here going, it, I, I'm just want to do this to, 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 to give to some folks. Mm-hmm. And I told a few people like, you should sell those. And I was like, what? And they said, even though that's not necessary, how cool would it be on our desk to have something that stares at us that says, be awesome. And I was like, huh? So I told a couple more people and they're like, I'd buy that. I'd pay $10 for it. And I'm sitting here going, wait a second. Here I am laughing at this idea and I just want to make someone happy that, that makes me happy and that supports me. And it's actually a genius idea apparently. So then I order a whole bunch of them. I'm going to put them on the, I'm going to put them on the website later today. Um, but I would have never thought of that. And if I just was closed minded and just kept it at like, I'm just going to do this favor and sure. da, 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 I would never know that there's an opportunity there. So I talked to a bunch of people and they're all like, that's fantastic. So he did a little market research. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so having that open mind and even if it's something that you think might be trivial or silly or what have you might have a great opportunity tied to it. Now I might sell two. I might sell 200. I don't know. You're, I mean, you're iterating. It might not be yeah. the mouse pad. It might be a coffee mug. It might be a desk calendar. You'll get to something because be, it's what, what people are really getting. And it's, I'd love right. for that message. It'd be awesome to be in front of me every day. Right. Well, that's masks. That's yeah. the last thing I wanted to do. <clears throat> the absolute last thing I wanted to do. My supplier of shirts um, put a thing out and said, hey, if you want to sell some masks, here's, here's what the price is. They're made in America. They're haircut. They're going to they're gonna be okay. They're going to fit the bill for right now. So sure. I, I bought 500 of them. Um, I bought 500 of them just to have them and put yep. them on and, uh, and sell them. I sold out of them. This was in April. I sold out of them in like four days. Yeah. I mean, um, that's a great like, message to have in a mask. Yeah. We were at a restaurant last night in my, uh, went to dinner and then afterwards my uh, wife and son, so let's get some ice cream. Walked in and the woman serving the ice cream had a mask on and said, if you can read this, you're too close. <laughs> I don't think the owner of the restaurant wants that to be the message in your mask yeah. right now, but yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, you, you, you gave a couple of good examples at eating crow. The, 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 the purpose behind the podcast is, you know, on social media, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, whatever it is, we always put our best version forward. Right. Yeah. That's not the real, that's not the real Jim Johnson, right? It's, it's a, it's a cleansed version of ourselves. Yeah. So the people we have in the podcast Every one of them, I've been shocked and amazed at the eating crow moments they have where they said, look, this is where, and it's not always necessarily a screw up, but this is where I realized my whole point of view might be wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat some crow and pivot. And it usually leads to something pretty amazing. You're right. They owned it. By the way, they all owned it. Right. And that's the purpose is to find people who've owned something and it's produced something greater. Mm-hmm. And most of them are, you know, whether it's the military, business, entrepreneurs, inventors, whatever, have a tremendous backstory that that isn't visible. So we're trying to pull that out. And that's the that's the objective. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great podcast. I was honored to be a, a guest, which doesn't happen very often where I'm on the other side of the microphone. I had a lot of fun. You were, you were probably one of the best guests we've had. I loved the title. What was it? Mullets and members. Only, <laughs> yes, that was your Mullets title. only and members because I have a, I'm very proud to own a members only jacket. I was going to wear it today, but I can't find it. That was my favorite title, by the way. I'm like, so, oh, this is members and mullets <laughs> only. This is perfect. So, so you, you gave me a great title and then you gave a snippet and promoted and said, uh, and it started with uh, after my fifth class of wine, <laughs> um, which is like, you know, people like, it's true. It's my story. You know, that's what I am. That's. And, and, and that's, um, you know, the funny thing, we'll talk about social media and, and a little bit more on your podcast. Um, the thing about social media is you talk about people putting their best, you know, their, their best versions of themselves. I think people are putting their absolute worst versions of themselves right now. 
Uh, agreed. Uh, I, I think that so I, I, as we, you and I discussed before this, I have literally, I, I, I've, I've been willing to compromise forward progress with the awesome business via social media for my own mental sanity mm-hmm. and for me not thinking poorly of people that I truly care about. I have yeah. friends that are Democrats. I have friends that are Republicans. I have friends that are black and white police officers and every other thing. And every, it seems like the threads, <clears throat> if I were going to go on Facebook, it is like just absolute chaos and negativity mm-hmm. and completely just one, you know, one, one laser focus. I mean, the, 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 the fly on the head of the debate last night, is that really where our focus in life needs to be? Yeah. I'd rather people put themselves in front of fancy cars and do all this other stuff so I can sit there and get jealous or feel bad about myself or any other thing. Because what I'm feeling now, I'm struggling with trying to understand if this is really the people that I'm close to. Like these, the, the, the meanness and the nastiness is just... It's crazy, and especially yeah. around especially around politics. I never knew I had so many political major graduates um, and politicians for friends. You know, uh, it's just, experts. They're experts in their fields. Yeah, you want to know yeah. something? Here's the deal: I have yet to watch a po- political anything where where the politician eats crow. Bingo. I have not seen one single, and I'm not, I'll throw it out. I can throw out. Um, there has been no admittance of failure or fault. And I'm not going to say whether I like her or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm just giving this as an example. Nancy Pelosi was in a hair salon. She was not wearing a mask. She knew the laws and rules in San Francisco. And instead of saying and owning it and saying, you know what? I hadn't had my hair cut in six months. I needed to get out. I was the only person in there. That said, it was wrong. My fault. My bad. I'm terribly sorry, United States of America. Done, right? Yeah. Instead, it was a setup. It was all this stuff. And it's like, how do you do that? How do you, you know, how do you put yourself out there yeah. and not at least own one thing? Like own something. Like right now with politicians all on both sides, nobody's nobody's uh nobody's escaped this. No, it's it's a it's a re, it's it's a it's a reprojection of what you did wrong. And and the the, the character assassinations on people. Um, is absolutely just awful. And it's, that's what we get to. I mean, the closest thing I saw last night was, was a question by a fourth grader mm-hmm. that made the most sense of all. And if you yeah. have, didn't watch the debate, it's worth watching just for the last question, which was portrayed by it, which was asked by a fourth grader. Which it, says, it if most, you, yeah, it was the most intelligent question on the entire episode. Yeah. If you, can't, if you guys can't figure out how to get along, how are we supposed to figure out how to get along? Mm-hmm. If our leaders that we look to can't figure out a way to get along, then how am I in the fourth grade supposed to figure out how to get along? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's basic common decency, and it applies to every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize it. it, it it's, it's back to the issue I was having with my son. We, we didn't agree on where we were coming from. Mm-hmm. But me lighting him back up and saying, I don't agree with you and I'm right, doesn't solve the problem. At all. I have to, by the way, I have to, I have to work on this every day in my own life, at work, at home, wherever. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're leading a company or an influencing you know, position, you're going to be making big decisions. And there are going to be people around you that you don't agree with or they don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. It can get really frustrating. Yep. Really frustrating because you believe you're right. When, when instead, I, I have to go to bed at night and, you know, 
meditate, pray, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I pray that, dude, just swallow your pride and listen to what they're trying to tell you mm -hmm. and then try to figure out how to work with them to solve the problem. Because 99% right. of the time, the person across from you wants to achieve a win themselves. They want to get to the same goal line to have the company be successful. Their, their experiences, their knowledge, their training, their education, all might wire them to think differently than you. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the other tenets of eating crow is, is just as you described, if you can eat crow, you can have an open discussion with somebody about something you don't agree with. Oh, hundred percent. And that's what we're trying to get people to do. And it is, uh, it's unfortunate because people don't, uh, and here's the other thing. I don't want to generalize. I think what we see in social media, I think what we see in media in general is the most vocal minority in the country. Mm-hmm. Right. They're the people that take the time to be angry and vehement on even, by the way, to your point, watching friends light each other up, family members oh, yeah. light each other up publicly in social media about something. I just don't, I don't relate to it. I don't grasp it. I, I could never speak to a family member or a close friend that way, even though we might not agree. Right. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I struggle Social media, hey, we're on social media right now. You and I, right? This is what we're doing, right? right? This is what we need to be doing. I'm with you. I, it, at some point, what am I trying to accomplish here? I want to give people something of value that's good, that they can learn from. But the promotional aspect of it is the same thing. I get out in these channels and these networks and I, and I see everything else around it. I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh. Right. Do I want to be in this? Right. Yeah. Well, this hard. is, this is my outlet. This is, yeah, this same is what, here. you know, I feel like, uh, I, I, you know, I feel like you either get numb to what you see because there's so much of this garbage and it, yeah. it's, it's literally, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it is amazing what is, is being put out there. And it's because people, I think people are having a hard time. All of mm -hmm. us are having a hard time and it's not, we're all, you know, the, the saying we're all in the same boat. We're far from in the same boat. Yep. I am way better off than some folks and I'm way worse off than some folks. We're all in a boat and it's all, mm -hmm. they all have holes and they're all having challenges. And, and I don't, I feel like, you know, you and I grew up in the, in the world of a phone with a cord, yep. right? And we grew up where we talked to people two ways, right? We talked to them on the phone or we talked to them in person or well, three ways, or we talked to them via old Pony snail Express mail. snail mail. You got it. Right. And what that did was, that you knew that you knew what you were doing. You saw the expression on the person's face mm -hmm. or the game of telephone would happen because you didn't have call waiting or chat lines or anything else. You call someone, you made them upset. Well, they did hand phone. They call the friend and they go, you won't believe what Pete just said. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden by the end of it, you know, you're an absolute jerk. And that last friend that's on the, on the telephone game calls you and is like, you are such a jerk. I can't believe you did this, this, and this. You're like, what? I didn't do all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And now it's phone, text, email, fax, chat, private messenger, Teams, Google Meets, all these things. And I don't think people understand that, that there isn't a value to your word anymore because it's all over the place. It's not yeah. just in one, one place anymore. It's everywhere. And what yeah. people don't understand is it's everywhere. And people see this stuff. And it's, it's just, I, I don't know. I've, I've just had such a hard time. I did a, um, you know, we, we, our community had a defund the police movement. Yeah. 
as every community did in the country over the last couple of months. And it was a week before the new budget year. And I'm very fortunate that I understand local government budgets and finances and sure. all that stuff because I had to for my job. And so there was nine days before the next budget cycle was going through. Um, and there was two very clearly groups. There was a group that wanted to fund the police. They did a lot of homework. They came up with an exact amount. They came to make their story. There were 400 or so people there. Um, and then there was the group that says, no, absolutely not. We're backing the police, da, 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 da. And there was just this, 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 just, it, it was like animosity to both sides. Mm -hmm. And finally, there was something that was said that really got me upset. Now, I understand that you can't defund the police in eight days. You, you, it won't be, no matter what you do, it won't be successful because the money sure. won't be allocated the right way. And there was, and so I got up. Um, and, and by the way, the community I live in is like 98% white. Yeah. Okay. So the only, so what I went up and said was, um, I said, first I opened up with, first of all, um, I think we should act, we should acknowledge and appreciate the, the local community members that have done their homework to, to have this effort to defund the police. And we should give them, you know, a round of applause because most of them were young. Most of them were young voters mm -hmm. and they're thinking and they're doing their homework. And so there was a round of applause. And then I said, the next thing is we should all look around and figure out how we make the black community more comfortable here because the only people that are black in our audience are the two police officers that are protecting us while we argue, which was a fact. Correct. Um, and then I went into a, a two minute poorly worded um, discussion as to why it didn't make sense to defund the police. So supporting the fact that we shouldn't defund the police. Right. I had more people on the side of defunding the police message me on social media the next day, thanking me just for acknowledging their effort. than I had people saying, thanks for putting something together to support sure. not defunding the police. I actually had people that told me I was a waste of time. Uh, that, that I did a poor job. I had people private messaging me that I didn't know that said, why did I stand up? Sure. I go, well, did you want me to just go up there and argue? Right. We can say, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We can't all have the same like-minded thoughts on all this stuff. And yeah. it, you're right. It's not just politics. People are fighting about everything. And it's like, wh where do we get, where do we, where do we get all this stuff? By the way, um, you and I grew up in an area, in an area, and I'll, I'll, I'll some people might not like what I'm about to say, and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> but we grew up at a time where if we did something stupid, our parents pointed it out. Yeah. Right? Like, that That was In stupid. public, too. In public. <laughs> Slap you upside the head to go, you're an idiot. That's yeah, yeah. wrong. You need to rethink your thoughts. And by the way, you're not right all the time. Mm -hmm. 100%. We, we learned, I guess what we learned is, we learned a couple things. Common sense. Mm -hmm. We learned to think before we speak. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was a pretty big, like, if I'm about to say something, what are the two sides of the argument that I should consider before I say it? And by the way, you can still make the argument, but you have to understand what the ramifications are of that statement. Right. We, parenting, and I, I go on a whole podcast about this, has become so soft. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, Josh? You can express yourself and say whatever you want. It's okay. But guess what? Common decency, respect for elders, respect mm -hmm. for other people's opinions goes out the window because everybody's right. Right. And if you don't agree with somebody else's opinion, they're an asshole. Right. Because they're oppressing you and they're not giving you free. Wrong. Common decency is just that. It's common and it's decent. Right. And, you know, I, I, the fact that you acknowledge, because guess what? These young kids that put this 
campaign together to defund the police. No one's coaching them right. or had coached them to say, have you thought about what that means? Right. There's two African or there's two black police officers on that, in that department. And they go to work every day to defend your life. That's mm-hmm. their job. And by the way, if you were to sample 50 plumbers, two of them are bad people. Right. You sample 50 police officers, two of them are going to be bad people. That's everywhere. It's just that those two bad cops have somebody following them around with a cell phone waiting for them to screw up. Yeah. And then they make everybody look like they're that way. I served in law enforcement for seven years, not, not as an officer, but that I was in that market. So I, they were my customer. Right. Uh, I can tell you right now that 99% of the people I met in that, law, in that line of work were tremendously humble servant human beings mm-hmm. who risked their lives every day. And 90% of what they did is extremely boring. Right. It, it, is, it is unfair to paint any population in this country as all bad or all good. Right. You, you, Democrat, Republican, whatever. They're not all bad. They're not all good. And we forget that, unfortunately, because we, the media wants to paint whatever that opinion is, is one side to an extreme. It sells better. It just sells better. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I have, like you, I've got re- Republicans, Democrats, friends. And by the way, the, the ones that are thoughtful, we have really good discussions. Plus you want to, you, you yeah. want to learn, like if you're, yeah. you're so close minded, I mean, it's, it, you have to learn both sides because both sides aren't all good and both sides aren't all bad, like you nope. say. And that's, that's one of those, you know, one of the things that you touched on, and this is with everything, this isn't just with videotaping police officers. This is the other thing that I see the threads of is um, we're not seeing the whole story of anything because people no. can cut the clips they can cut the story. highly edited and, and, it, and it's like my 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 mom always told me she's like don't believe everything you hear because when you grow up it's like everything you know there's a lot of gossip but everything is truth when you're a kid right so mm-hmm. somebody says oh did you hear what johnny did oh well it has to be true because you know sally told me and sally knows johnny and now it's you know now it's like you see a video of you know you see a video of someone running out of a store with a, with a package and someone says, Oh my God, I can't believe he's just stole that. Well, no, that guy could be in a, and this was me yesterday. So, <laughs> so, yeah. this, this, so this is me yesterday. I'm, I'm, and I'm just sitting here going, I can just imagine what this video looks like. And and you have to wear a mask. So you just added yeah. the whole Robert. Thing. Sure. I'm literally running like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to get as much as I can to make a special mini meal for Amy's birthday. I go to one store and I get, you know, the, the, the stuff for the charcuterie board. And then I'm going to get this other stuff at this place and trim cocktail. And I come home, I bring it all home. And what do I forget? Cocktail sauce. You can't have shrimp cocktail without cocktail sauce. That's you can't. Just cocktail, cocktail, shrimp cocktail. Gotta have cocktail sauce. So I, I drive real fast up to the grocery store. I go in, I grab cocktail sauce and, uh, the, the, um, the for whatever reason the, the cash register the the auto one that has no line is cash only well who's carrying cash today so i got no ca- so, so i'm running behind i'm scrambling i go and i stand in the the grocery line with people that's six feet apart and i'm a mile down the aisle like i'm going to be sitting here for 20 minutes i'm like do i do, do the cocktail sauce or do I not do the cocktail sauce so finally this the one of the employees says come over to the customer service desk and i'll pay, you can pay for it there so now i pay for it 
I look at the watch. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't get a bag. I got these things. I run out the door in the parking lot. I jump in the car. I'm running behind. I'm frantic. I'm nervous, everything else. Somebody just snaps a video of me running out the door with two things of cocktail sauce. I probably look like I stole it. Mm-hmm. And they put that online. And now all of a sudden I'm a thief, right? Or you're the and, world's greatest meme. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so it, it, it's exactly right. I mean, it, it is, uh, everyone looks at things through a different lens. This stuff is all highly edited. I can tell you a very quick story and I, and I know I probably have to let you get back to your day job. But, <laughs> um, I, I was on a reality TV show for a while. Oh, you and, were? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, in my fitness days, I was on a, on a program. I won't, I won't say it today, but <laughs> they filmed a couple episodes that we were in and, and I happened to be in and, and I had a speaking role. Yeah. When I saw the episode, it was funny. I didn't, I, I was out of town when the episode aired and I had friends of mine that were, you know, on a treadmill in San Francisco working out in a gym and said, dude, I just saw you on TV. What the heck's up? But the way they edited that video. Yeah. And my facial expressions at different points, they cut it into the completely inaccurate. Yeah. That's not how it happened. Yep. Reality TV is so highly scripted. I learned a lot about the bottom underbelly of society is reality television in general. Yeah. I don't, I'm not throwing, um, you know, uh, house remodeling shows. I love that stuff. My wife loves it. That's great. You know, watching the house be built. But the other part of it is so highly scripted that they edited my facial expressions and what I said to get the exact emotion they wanted to trigger in that show. Yeah. And it wasn't real. You know, it wasn't real. And they said, we'd like you to be on. And I said, I I don't think this is going to represent my brand the right way. And I said, I'm I'm out. Yeah. So, um, you know, it is what it is, Josh, but I, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you did at that, that, that community event in acknowledging all the people in the room and recognizing them for what they brought to the table. Yeah. That's a big move. No, I appreciate it. It's a, we're all, we're all, we're all in this together. We're not yes, all, we again, not all in the same boat, but we're all in this together and it doesn't matter what you are or who you are. It's just being a, trying to be a good human. And I'm not trying to paint myself with the, you know, with a cape and everything, but it's just like, it's not that hard. It's not hard to be, it's awesome. not that hard. So yeah, it's not that hard to be awesome. It really isn't. I mean, no. if I, if, if, if we can do it, anybody can do it. Right. Exactly. So, wow. Reality TV show. I was on a, uh, I was supposed to be on an episode of bad girls club in new Orleans. I was at a bar one night and uh, they came in to film and I, I did everything to get on every, <laughs> every, I, you know, and it was hysterical because uh, I went up to the cameraman. And I was like, Hey, uh, what's the chances I'm going to be on an episode? He goes, if we take anything from tonight and they, these, this was, it was crazy. Like they, yeah. they're, they're all oh, yeah. nuts. I don't know. There's an oxygen network or one of those yeah, shows. They're nuts. Um, and, um, and the guy goes, if, if we take anything out of this night, your head is most likely going to be in a number of scenes because you were, were everywhere. I was jumping around. I was going, Great job, dude. One, oh yeah. I was putting myself like this. So the episode for the night comes on and you see, you see the, uh, it was one of these, I, I got to remember in, it was Inferno something or, but they had the big four beer yeah. beer cups that you paid eight bucks for. So I got four Amstels and a beer cup for eight bucks. It was like a no brainer to be there all night. And, uh, so they, this limo pulls up and they start slapping all these pieces of paper. You will be videotaped. You will be videotaped. So the episode comes and I call Amy. I'm like, check it out. The episode's on the, the limo's pulling up. The girls are getting out. I'm, I'm going to be a movie star. And the, the girls get out, but you see them walk into the bar cut to them walking out the bar. And I'm like, I didn't make it. Like <laughs> Dude, it, it, we filmed, we probably filmed, they brought 13 people to my, my studio, 13 wow. people. And they had a live producer in LA watching the whole thing. And at one point they actually said, 
because I've done a lot of stuff on video and TV. So I, 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 it wasn't a big leap for me to act natural. Right. And the person I was working with is very, very talented on TV as well. It, she's a reality TV star, but she could, when the camera flipped on, she flipped to a different, yeah. and they actually said, it's, you guys are too natural. Could you argue? <laughs> <laughs> like they really wanted me to say something offensive so that we would fight about it. Cause it'd be a better TV. It was, it was, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's comical. And you, you know, you shoot for 16 hours and, and you're in it for like 43 seconds. So, yeah. well, this is, this has been great. Uh, my podcast, the last two podcasts have gone really long, but I think that, uh, you know, the effort, the, the, the podcast people say that you should make your podcast about 27 minutes in length. I say they should be 27 minutes in length unless you've got good stuff to talk about. And we've had some good stuff to talk about. So beautiful, Josh. Uh, I love it, man. It's been great. So where can people find you? Where should they look you up? What do you uh, tell them? Tell them all the, the good stuff to, to track and keep so, up. With uh, you can find uh, the website's eating crow eating crow podcast.com all one word. Um, and then, you know, we're on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can hit uh, Pete Durand up in LinkedIn and then uh, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, uh, eating crow is everywhere now. And uh, bear with me. We're, we're finding our way, but we've had some really great guests and we're excited about it. We got another 30 in production and uh, can't wait to see the program grow and really happy with the response. Yeah, no, it's great. And uh, I tell you that you've done, you have done more in uh, 13 episodes than most have done in 100 and, uh, you know, head down and, and doing some wonderful things. I strongly suggest listening to the, uh, to the episodes. I've gotten uh, a number of takeaways and it was interesting. Uh, Holly Hammer, I connected with, I didn't know how I knew her, but we connected on LinkedIn a while ago. It was great to, great to hear and learn about her uh, the other day and, and Ed, Ed Rossich, who you and I are both mutual friends and, and listen to his story again. And I told him, I said, that, that was your best one yet. Now I got to have you on my podcast for the fifth time. Um, <laughs> so. That's a good, he's a, he's a, he's a fountain of knowledge, rich, rich font. Um, uh, he, he kind of came out of nowhere for me. I, I suggest people listen to his episode. He's, he's got a lot to say really humble guy, but he's, he's a, he's a wise man. Uh, there's no plan B he's actually before, before yep. me. I I'm not sure I listened to that one. I'll give that one a, yeah. a listen to. So uh, be sure follow Pete Durand, uh, connect and follow his, uh, subscribe to his podcast. I highly recommend it. I've listened to, uh, I think all but two looking at these and I don't know how they got past me. I think you launched a couple all at once. And uh, I did. I That's what happened. I might have, I might have skipped, I might have skipped over one by accident. So, um, but no, listen to the podcast. It's well worth listening to. Make sure you own and, you know, make sure to figure out how to own things and, Trust no one and trust everyone all at the same time. Uh, this has been amazing. We could do this again uh, uh, with other topics. We've trailed off on the on the health and fitness, so I think we'll have to have a version <laughs> 2.0 after I hit my 100th ride and uh, show you what I'm working with. Josh 2.0, can't wait, buddy. I appreciate it. It's been, a, it's been a blast. Thanks a lot. This is fantastic. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you got something out of it. This has been uh, an incredible couple of weeks getting back in track. And, and uh, you know, last week with David Cook's, uh, today's a great day to be alive and then have Pete here that uh, every day is a good day with Pete Durand. Uh, I think the model and the idea here is for us to take care of each other, for us to really, really realize that it's a fabulous day, just like Silvano told me this morning when he delivered our uh, our groceries. Uh, be sure to follow, subscribe, like, comment. Let me know how I'm doing. Uh, I'd love to get your comments and uh, ratings and reviews on uh, the uh, Apple podcast platform. I've got 56. My goal is to get to 100 before the end of the year. 
Uh, you do that for the next 10, you get a free copy of David Cook's From Paralysis to Purpose book. Uh, you just email me, Josh, J-O-S-H, at beawesome, B-E-A-U-S-M.com with your address and where you want me to get it. I'll have an autographed copy sent to you. And the last thing, before my podcast starts, there's a guy with, I think, a British accent that says, do you like in the podcast and support it? Um, that got put on my podcast, and I really didn't expect uh, anything from it. I didn't, 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 didn't know what would happen. And the people that have uh, made donations because they've, they've, uh, always wanted to support the podcast and they've got 10 shirts or they've got two coffee mugs or they've got some, you know, they've, they've got so much be awesome swag. They don't know what, to, what else to do. Uh, and they just, in the goodness of their hearts went and clicked and donated. Uh, I appreciate that. That keeps this thing going. If this isn't a huge expense, but it's an expense, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, but for you to, to, to provide some of your hard-earned funds to support the podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you is not enough. Um, and just keep doing what we're doing. We're not out of the woods. Uh, as David said last week, we got some pain and some time left. Uh, take care of each other. And if you can be anything, be awesome.